to a podcast greater than yourself, season three. Do you have an idea for an episode or question for John and Fred? Email us at podcastgreaterthanyourself at gmail.com or contact us on Instagram at podcast underscore greater underscore than underscore yourself or doctor underscore silkworth. All right. Welcome back to a podcast greater than yourself. My name is John Barleycorn. And I am Fred. And with us today, we have our adored returning guest, Millie. Oh, adored. Hi. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to, right off the bat, make you uncomfortable. Just get it out of the way. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely uncomfortable. I like it. It's really set the tone for the rest of the <laughs> recording. Hashtag cancel John Barleycorn. So... welcome millie it's awesome to have you back we've been wanting to do this again and then um long story short now we're doing it again what an interesting story (laughs) that was a great story (laughs) was that a long story tales old time (laughs) so today we will be discussing what messages are people hearing when they come back from relapse this is uh i would i would venture to say i could speak for everyone in the room when i say that this one is near and dear to all of us as we've all not only experienced this as people who were in aa in some semblance of recovery um drank again and came back and uh maybe we're presented with some stuff that in hindsight (laughs) was not very helpful (laughs) <laughs> and then also I, I, I know for a hundred percent, the three of us probably at least on a weekly basis hear people who are coming back being told stuff that, uh, people should go to jail for saying to them <laughs> in a fair, in a fair world where I'm <laughs> King sober of the alcoholism police. <laughs> Is that not your official? I thought that was your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> yeah. Works at Alcoholism Police <laughs> title, King Sober. King Sober. I guess. With a ceremony and everything. Yeah, it should be like Lance Corporal S- S- Sober. <laughs> Captain Saving Addict. <laughs> yes. I feel like we could workshop titles for the next 24 minutes. <laughs> Let's do that for the first half, and then the back half we'll get into some recovery stuff. About it all, though, is that it is so incredibly unhelpful, but you can tell people are really trying to be helpful. Sure, but that's the weird cross section. Like you can see, they mean well, mm. they have their own reactions, and they they think all these different messages you hear, which is like every shade of the spectrum, from super negative unhelpful to super overly positive unhelpful, like everything in between. They do genuinely mean well, but it just comes down to that fundamental misunderstanding of what we have, you know, as an, like as alcoholics, as real alcoholics, it just, they mean well, but the messages get so like, it's so off the book. It's so off the core of what we have. Right. That it's shocking. Yeah. So what, what you've actually just stumbled upon is like the underlying theme of our entire season, which is that (laughs) it's like, there's a bunch of stuff people are doing and and we've had to almost say it every episode, which is like, 
we recognize that people are doing this from they're try, they're attempting to come from a place of love and right. and good they think they're doing the right thing it's just you know behind them is a world of ignorance and misunderstanding <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah which is killing people <laughs> yeah yeah i mean and exactly what you just said fred so i'm going to if you guys don't mind i'm going to actually i'm going to do a little reading here and this is going to be from what you mean there's a book <laughs> this is going to be this is going to be page, page 22 of a book called Alcoholics Anonymous. I believe 22. <laughs> yes, 22. Uh, no, it's going to be page 20. So, um, we, see, <laughs> we see that these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours. Right? So, um, when they spend most of the, you know, first, what do you want to say? I don't know. A lot of people lump doctor's opinion in as if it's just talking about the physical aspect of alcoholism, which <clears throat> I can read English. So I, I know that it isn't only talking about that. Um, but uh, it's being an asshole. But anyway, so also on your LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> King, get, King of the alcohol English. police <laughs> can read English skill asshole. Um, so, so when we get to that, is that a skill or is that a calling? It's, 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 I don't know. It's uh, it shows me. On it, so. it shows me. I, did, I didn't choose it. So when we get to that shift that happens from like page 20 to 23, um, where it starts really going into the mental stuff. I think that there's almost something lost. Well, there's a hundred percent something lost in the fellowship, but even in the book and even in how the book is like used as a tool, a lot of the times, and even with like big book people and big book circles, like, because it's discussed as like this thing of, we're really just talking about the physical aspect of the illness up to a certain, you know, about page 23. Um, but really, even that a description of the real alcoholic, I think that, you know, when we're talking about, it says these observations are commonplace, you know, like Fred was alluding to. The observations they're talking about are, you know, why can't this guy just drink a few, blah, 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 whatever, you know. Now, pretty much 10 times out of 10, you go to a meeting and the stuff that we're discussing in this episode will be happening, but it'll be accompanied by at least like a uh, pedantic understanding of, um, you know, the physical aspect of alcoholism, this idea that like, well, if you don't drink the first one, you won't get, you know, like the first one gets you drunk, not the last one, that kind of shit, which is this like sort of, I don't know, flimsy grasp on the idea that I can't control how much I take once I start. But, I think hand in hand with that and all of those little slogans is the fact that you're leaving out the, the, to me, it's like the most important part because it's what the steps treats, right? It's that shift that happens on page 23 where it talks about, okay, cool. So yeah, you don't react to alcohol normally, but uh, let's put all that aside because none of that would matter if you didn't take the first drink, right? So I think that same that line apl applies to this as well, where it's like, yeah, you're talking about people whose reactions to sobriety 
are very different from ours. My reaction to sobriety as an unrecovered alcoholic is to drink alcohol. That's my reaction to sobriety, you know? So like coming back in as somebody who quote relapsed, and I know that all three of us are kind of like a, this is like a quote relapse situation, but coming back in and hearing people be like, well, why, why did, what happened? What, what, why didn't you call? Like who did you, what did you, did you try to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, It's like, um, those are very commonplace expressions that you hear in a lot of meetings that speak to a life experience that is very different from mine, right? Mm. Mm. I, I think it's the same thing. It's the same thing with the mental aspect as the physical, because it's you. You're, the world is chock full of people who th- who are completely capable of choosing to not drink and not drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's different types of relapse, <laughs> whatever right. you want to umbrella it into. You know, there's that original can't stop drinking, haven't done any step work, like I'm, you know, every couple of weeks getting back into that cycle or months or whatever it is. And then there's the, you know, had a taste of things, started a bit of work, bouncing around, you know, not really doing, you know, the the actual spiritual program. And I know for me the reason I was interested in this topic was because I had a complete taste of that spiritual experience. I had years up. I had like almost five years and I was, you know, time cop counting. I love that. My <laughs> ego loved adding the year on every year. It's another year, you know. And I had many years up when I ended up, you know, going back in. And that was a different story again because you have the people that are, oh, yeah, you just don't get it yet. You just don't get it yet. And then I had this taste of, you know, in big, in big book circles especially, well, wait a minute, what happened? You, you know, you sponsor people you're involved in aa like this can't happen to you like it was a real Mm -hmm. shock so there's different types of i guess yeah relapse if you want to call it this i hate the term relapse too there's no better word really is that i mean yeah that's a whole other are we going to start unspooling that ball of yarn (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i'm just rambling but the point is basically yeah there's different like it's all that core exactly what you read you know it's that misunderstanding of the core of what we actually have and the solution the the things we have to do to address what we have right Mm -hmm. and i think i think a lot of this is split down the middle the same two ways that most of the stuff we talk about is where there's there's like a fork in the road and it and it kind of like for the people if you're on the broad highway of, of the people who say this shit to people who come back from drinking, you go to the right and you've got these like militant fuck faces who are just like, you know, what are you, you know, there's like drill sergeants, right? And then you go to the, the, the left and it's like this like over sympathetic, like pitiful, I'm going to love the shit out of you kind of thing, you know? And it's like, I think, I think they both are branches off the same tree of not understanding step one, Mm. you know? So it's like, I'm like, how long, how far do I expand this analogy? (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to be like, either branch, you're going to be hanging from it. Good at the root system. We need a root analogy. Come on, go. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> so I think that I think that the problem is not really not necessarily like either approach to that because they both stem from like that page said this is uh you're talking about something that we're not talking about you know so like when i've had this recently um there's a someone i sponsor and uh over the course of like a year had you know several opportunities to start working with them you know do some work we'd get through like a fifth step start some amends or something and then it was like you know radio silence and then a couple months later a text out of nowhere like hey you know are you are you available for a phone call and then we meet back up and then it's like yeah okay you know start again get through some stuff get to amends and then same deal you know kind of no 10 or 11 certainly no 12 and then um a longer period of time goes by <laughs> and then you know they come back and kind of uh you know shoot me a text and we're just like talking like friends you know um and uh eventually that person commits to the work does all of the work um is recovered right now and like you know of their own accord going out grabbing sponsees taking people into the steps um you know starting new meetings at treatment center like th this person is doing this thing right so as a sponsor um part of part of my job goes down to you know okay i understand step one but do i understand it to a point where i can let this person have their own step one right and not try to manufacture step one for them right so there's two sides of that to me in in my experience one is like i'm not going to offer someone uh shit that doesn't speak to an actual understanding of step one when they come back from drinking and which is just like the meaningless platitudes or the like, huh? An alcoholic drink? <laughs> you know, none of that is going to come for me. But then also like, um, it's, it's, a there's a, there's, there has to be a sense of detachment from that result and from any sense of responsibility of like their recovery. My job is to lay out the tools every one of those times. So, um, really my job is to not be the militant <laughs> dickhead and to not be the, I'm going to love you till it hurts so bad kind of situation, but to just be like, welcome back here, here are the tools. Let's have right. a talk, you know, check back in and yep. are, are you done? Right. Oh, I think the, the more experience I get with trying to help other people, the more I realize I just got to get my hands off their spiritual experience. Mm. Like I get to watch it and I get to see it, but that's theirs. Like it's not my job to tell them what's moral or what's right or wrong. And I know, you know, for me on that experience too, like it's not like you hear other people, like again, well-meaning people in the rooms. I had a whole bunch of people react 
to what happened to me last year. Because, like, my, I mean, I'm very open about it because God made this amazingly helpful. Like, I have helped. I've been able to have incredible conversations with since, like, since it's happened. And I, for me, my own experience, like, spiritual experience got, like, infinitely deeper. Like, it's, mm-hmm. I've, I live so much better today than I used to. And I had that complete, like, amazing experience out of it. It was shit at the time. Like, it was shit, 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 shit. Right. And it was, like, the most humiliating Oh, brutal experience, but I had all these people like telling me, you know, things like, you know, now my all my sponsorship line is corrupted. You know, everybody I've ever sponsored is corrupted, that I should stop helping people immediately and relook at my program. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. And then I got another comment that I'd I'd sold my soul to impress a man. And I'm like, I don't think I did. Mm. And all these kind of weird moral comments that came to me afterwards or people saying, you know, that I had no humility. I'm like, I don't know. I, like, Maybe I don't. I don't know right now. I'm in chaos. And you know, I had a few people say they're not talking to me anymore because I owe them an amends because I haven't taken responsibility. And I'm like, I don't know what you want from me. Like I'm trying. Wow. I'm just, I'm literally a human being giving this thing a go. And I had my own experience of that chaos and all those unwritten like rules and laws that seem to be in AA meetings. And I don't know about you guys, but my experience seems to be I'm constantly doing things wrong mm. and I'm constantly humiliated because me, what I'm doing is I'm trying to make these people in the rooms, my, you know, my friends, my, you know, my moral compasses, I'm, you know, showing up. That's my natural inkling is to go, okay, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. And I get all these mixed messages and the more I experience I've had in the book, the more I have that little, you know, intuition moment where I'm like, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. And what happened to me last year was, um, you know, I ended up randomly, my boyfriend found a bag of pot under a tree in a park. Fun. Like, as you do. <laughs> like abandoned park pot. And he hadn't smoked pot since he was 16. And I know for me, I've got a lot of insight into what happened now. I was in the middle of chaos. Like I had all this stuff happening in my life and I wasn't doing a proper 10 and 11 with it. I was ignoring Mm. it. I had stress. I had family stuff going on. And my favourite was that I was judging my family for how they were coping with grief. That was really fun. Um, And I just was like really torn up in it. And so when this happened, he said, do you want to smoke it? All of a sudden out of my head went, yeah, that's a good idea. And I'm not California sober girl. Like, I get it. I know pot's a drink. It's smoking a drink. Like, it is. And I know what it does to me. I've played around with pot over the years too. It is not good. And I know that's an entry point. And I spent the night high. And then the next morning, I woke up and went, oh, shit, what just happened? Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't recall ever having a moment of, oh, that's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that thought between you know, being offered it, it just, there was not, there was no interference. I had no spiritual defense in that moment <laughs> at all. I just right. did it. And I woke up full of panic. So mm. I'm like, what did I do? And I was more panicked about me. And so I rang, I started to do the, you know, the calls. I started to ring people and that's when all the reactions happened. And I rang and I messaged people that were local to me that I knew. And I'd, I'd met you guys. Like I'd met, you know, black rhinos. I knew um, a big group of you guys, but you're a different time zone. So I went with my local time zone in my area. And that's when I just started getting all these reactions. And that's what I panicked over. I was a little bit panicked over the pot thing. So I was like, the fuck just happened? Someone, what just happened? I need help. That was where it came from. Like I need help. And then the reactions became the new fear because I'm like, oh my God, did I lose my place in AA? What have I done? Have I blown up my entire life? Is everything wrong? Am I about to get kicked out? 
am I not a real alcoholic because I didn't do what I'm supposed to do? And it ended up in this spiral and I spent about two days in that. And I know I reached out to both of you guys and I don't know if I made any coherent sense at the time, but I was in this total panic of like, what do I do? And my mind wasn't helping me at all because I was totally in that selfish spiral, totally in the, you know, I can't think right now. And then the messages I was getting, they just weren't, I had this sense of me going, I don't think so. And I would have these beautiful, well-meaning, mainly women like speaking to me for hours at a time. And I'm like, this doesn't, this isn't, this isn't the solution. I just wanted someone to bring me back, help me understand what happened, help me get back into what to do going forward. You know, that's what I wanted. But instead it ended up this weird, chaotic couple of days of spiral. And I'm so grateful that you know, through Black Rhinos, I was able to get, you know, get in, get into the work again. You know, I met somebody who was going to, like, get me reestablished, helped me understand. And it took a little bit of un- uh, time to, for me to, like, properly understand it. But I had a new experience of what it's like. Mm-hmm. And I'm really grateful for that. And insanely, all these, like, ever since all these people have come out and I've been able to, like, say, yeah, I, know, I had that happen. Like, I've been able to say, yeah, that happened to me. Like, let me tell you what happened with me and let me help you understand that. And they've had similar experiences. You know, they've had months, years, whatever, and they're sitting there in that humiliation of, I don't know what just happened. Do I have to go back and spend two years doing step work? Do I have to go to a rehab? Like, what do I do? And those, yeah, those stories and those reactions, that became my new panic. I got swept up into that and it wasn't helpful. It really wasn't helpful. They meant well, but it really wasn't. Right. It's so powerful to hear you just walk through that. <laughs> and um, I think, you know, this is my, if I could change anything about Alcoholics Anonymous, it would be the fact that we value time over steps. Um, right. And and I, I think your your experience is probably, I mean, I think this is, an, as John and I were talking before the episode about how we've kind of given up like promoting this podcast, but I think this is actually an episode that probably really would help a lot of people, you know, <laughs> just because I do feel like um, this is one of those situations, you know, where um, this is probably a lot of people's experience. And, um, and I, I don't think there are many people in Alcoholics Anonymous who are equipped to handle something like this, you know, when somebody calls them and and says, you know, what do I do? And, um, I had a a similar, but very different experience, you know, with, with relapse and, um, you know, mine didn't happen overnight. So it was like, you know, when I came back, it was, you know, multiple years later and, you know, my life looked very different than it did, you know, going in or whatever. Um, you know, but I walked back into, I was in just a really fortunate situation where um, the person who was kind of my primary um, conduit to Alcoholics Anonymous um, has like a really, he's just really walking this path with God. So when, when I would say things to him about trying to figure out why I relapsed, his response would be like, why would we worry about that? Hmm. You're, what do you, you're an alcoholic. Of course you drank. Right. Like, of course you did, you know? And then, um, and then anytime I would get down on it, he would say, I don't know why you're pissed off about this or upset about this because all you did was go back to sponsor school. Do you know how many more people you're going to be helpful to? Right. Like, and exactly what you're just talking about. You just talked about how now you've had this ability to reach people you would have never been able to reach before. God is using you, Right to to in this experience right and um and 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 it's allowing you to, to reach people but we don't see it that way right we think 
you know, that somehow this time that we're attached to is the most important thing and not this experience. Right. Right. And, uh, completely. I know for me, like I lost my place on a few volunteer rosters because they require two years sobriety. I, I lost my, you know, ego based standing as a guest speaker. (laughs) (laughs) I I lost the, um, hi, I'm, I'm Millie and I have five years. I lost that. I lost, but it's weird because I lost it in the meeting sense. I lost it in that, like, my ego, how good am I? Which, oh, God, I do love that shit. I do. I can't help it. I do. I, I get in the time thing too. I can't help it. Like I love being able to say, look at all the wisdom I have. It's gross. Yeah, right. like, well, you got, to hit, you got to hit it one year again. That's cool. That's true. It kind of right. accidentally hit. I noticed <laughs> but that. But it's like, like a... It's like a hit off a crack pipe, right? It's like, <laughs> it's like fleeting, it goes you know, away pretty quick. I know. I did not get a coin this year. I'm very disappointed. Can I, <laughs> real quick, not to get off track, but can I just ask for your, just your gut reaction to this reading on page forty? Uh, in the middle of the story about Fred, Fred meets with the dudes, and you know he seems like an alcoholic, and they tell him what they know about alcoholism. Um, and it says, we heard no more from Fred for a while. One day we were told that he was back in the hospital. This time he was quite shaky. He soon indicated he was anxious to see us. We met him and asked him to give us an amends for drinking again. So what is your just gut reaction? <laughs> like, we laughed up we let him know he owed us an immense. <laughs> I think my favorite, my entire, my favorite part of your entire story was when you said that um, that you didn't have any humility because it, it takes a humble person to call out somebody else's level of humility. <laughs> you know, like you have to be really humble to be able to call out somebody else's lack of humility. Yeah. It's... <laughs> and it's, like, it's funny because it's like I feel myself laughing at it, but then there's part of me that feels bad for laughing at it because I do know these people, they meant it from a place of love, but there's nothing sure. in this book that says treat them with tough love. They're getting that from their family. They're getting right. that from their, their life consequences. Yeah. There's nothing in here that says maybe they need to learn the hard way and we need to like tell them to face the consequences and go find a new experience. Like there's nothing in there that says we, you know, we, we leave them to it and tell them to go to another meeting and like, I can't help them anymore because it's too hard or because it's too painful. And I know from my experience, like I've had women who have broken my heart, like sure. they have, because I do care and I do want the best for them. So I know that these comments about, you know, you won't be an amends or your lack of humility or, you know, all these, you know, like you've ruined your sponsorship, like all those <laughs> came from a place of their own disappointment and hurt because I do know I, sure. I you know, I am loved by people, I know, and sometimes I'm hard to love. And there, but there's no instruction in here. There's no, I don't think there's any wisdom in us saying, well, you know, you've got to find out the hard way. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't, that message doesn't come across for an alcoholic helping another alcoholic. And I've learned that not only through my own experience, but like loving these really like heartbreaking people. Like it is mm-hmm. like when you yes. see someone that does come or they do something that sounds so stupid, <laughs> like it sounds that when you're not an alcoholic, you don't understand it. You know, when someone goes back out or when someone, 
blows up their family in sobriety or they do something incredibly selfish or whatever it is. Like you can, we can see it in each other, but it's not helpful for me to like rip them a new one or make it about me or be offended. It's like we're looking to be helpful. And yeah, is that what you read out before? It doesn't say. <laughs> We get him straight to a meeting, or you we know, let like Fred we know straight. that he's poisoned the sponsorship lineage. I know for me, in my experience, I'm glad that I had enough of a taste of a solution, a real solution yeah. that I knew, like, there was something in me that was like, nah, right. I don't like, I appreciate your help. I do. I know you mean well, but I'm not going to do that. Like there was something in me and I struggled with that because I knew that I was spiraling and I knew I needed help. Like I knew I I couldn't do it myself. Like I knew that, but the people I was asking the help from weren't giving me the help that that God intuition inside of me knew about. But then I'm like, am I being arrogant? Am I saying I know how to help myself right now? And I really found that confusing. Mm. And that's why I'm so grateful for you guys. Like, you know, you two and a bunch of others really pointed me back into some like, right, let's get back into the actually what the solution is, what you have, what we do now. Like it was, it was so helpful and that saved my life because I wouldn't have, I know for me, I'm really grateful it wasn't a taste of an actual drink because, you know, I think that if I'd tasted, you know, if I'd had a couple of shots of vodka, I don't know if I would have come back from that. I don't know. Mm. I mean, that's making it up, but that's, you know, I'm, I'm glad it was pot in that sense but it was still a drink. Like it was still, but it wasn't my drink, you know? So it wasn't that I didn't spiral into years. Like you said, Fred, I didn't, you know. The Backseat Driver Podcast with Dex Farmer. This week on the Backseat Driver Podcast with Dex Farmer, special guest, Dex's sponsor. Right, right. There's there's no destination. You know, it's just like the sage says at our biannual medicinal ceremonies in Peru. As soon as you nasally ingest the medicine of the earth, there's some downtime. You're waiting. Yes, yes. There's a there's a lived experience. There's a lived experience. There's a shared lived experience. Yes, I. And there's a shared experience. Yes. I'm. You're, you're wait. You're waiting though. Waiting for the medicine to take effect. Oh yeah. And then oh. you, you know you shit your pants and your journey begins. Yeah. Uh, this there is never there's never a destination. Yeah. The, the destination doesn't exist. And I think that the the older you get, the longer you are on that path, the more that that's sobriety. As for me, as for me, someone who's been in recovery so long, someone who's been there, who's and there's no there's no end. This goes on forever. So I'm saying to my. My uh, life partner and wife, Lady Simone. Um, I was telling her about you the oh, other day. Now back to what I oh. was trying to get to here, and what? Which basically, um, you know, I always, I always thought you didn't like me. Um, Dex, that's that's silly. It's just silly. Oh, mm-hmm. I've known you the entire duration of your recovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, eighteen years. Eighteen. I've been I've been sober for my drug of choice for eighteen years. Yes, um, yeah, eight, eight, about eighteen years. Mm-hmm. I have eighteen years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know what's important to me is that you know. Oh. More important than whether I like you or not is that I love you as a child of the universe. That's interesting. Oh, it's interesting. I... And uh, it's it's been an honor to be your mentor. Okay. Okay. Uh huh. But still, I I thought that you didn't like me. Myself, my children, my life partner and wife, Lady Simone. Uh, we 
cherish your uh, your life and your work. All right, right. Um, and uh, feel quite centered to share this plane with you. Well, there's just been all these things, all this talk, and the, the media, the blogosphere, all about a little recreational drug use. Okay, so th- these negative influences talking about relapse, look, you know, you... I am on a journey. You used to intravenously inject horse tranquilizers into your penis veins. Right, right. And now you occasionally borrow a friend's Percocet prescription for three to five years. I'm whatever happened to progress, not perfection, right? If that's not recovery, right. I just don't know what is. All right, well, that, that's, that's how I feel about it. The Backseat Driver Podcast with Dex Farmer. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Like, I think, firstly, what comes to my mind when you said, like, oh, people who've gone back out again or whatever, just, like, it's heartbreaking. Um, And I get get what you're saying there. Um, There's, I think there's a, there's a something... The spiritual experience, I think for most people who I've seen work the 12 steps, there's, there's one common thing with the spiritual experience and that's the desire to drink being removed, you know, Mm um, I'm going to, I'm going to go super duper left field. Here's, here's what here's what I think of, right? Oh, let's uh, do this. Super homoerotic <laughs> vampire analogy. <laughs> I'm here for it. Let's right. go. <laughs> so like me and my wife last night, cause these are the kind of people we are. We're like super tired trying to go to bed, but it's like, yeah, I'm also like, I want five minutes to watch a little TV before I fall asleep. Mm-hmm. So you put tired. on twilight and a movie and watch it together. Is that what you do? Not a chance. No, what we, what we watched was Interview with the Vampire. Oh, great. So yeah. Tom Cru- I said homoerotic, not not uh horrible. Um so <laughs> so Tom Cruise uh you know and Brad Pitt have this whole however you would refer to that. It's having having it fresh in my mind watching again. It there's there's a lot going on there, but um he once he changes he has this thing where they're like walking around at a party and he's like he's like you know like he talks about this old lady whatever and he's like she killed her husband and blah blah and he's like how do you know that and he's like read her thoughts and he's just like he stares at her and then he's like I can't and then he's like ah this you know he says some you know flowery this dark gift of ours or whatever it is you know so <laughs> So what I'm doing is I'm drawing an analogy between their dark gift of vampirism and our spiritual awakening, right? So he basically says like, oh, it, you know, this gift is different for each of us, right? So my experience has been watching people recover. And I love, Millie, when you, when you talk about that. I've heard you talk about it a lot. And it's um, our recent guest. I think B 
<laughs> was the name that he went by from New mm-hmm. Zealand. Mm-hmm. Yep. He talks a lot oh, about I this as well. I love New Zealand guy. Yeah. I love New Zealand guy. I know he's talking about. Yeah, he's great. So he talks about this a lot too, with this experience of watching people recover. Um, particularly, I've heard him discuss many times the different promises in the book and how like, as someone going through it, you're like, oh, okay, I can, I can experience that. And then as someone taking someone else through it, you're reading it and you're like, fist that promises, look in the world in the eye. It's like, oh, that's true for me. That's just, this is, this is no longer a promise. This is the fact of my life. Right. And so when I think about this dark gift of ours, <laughs> when I think, when I think about it, you know, like there are people who I know and they've gone through this process and they, all of them are tied together by having this desire and obsession removed. Right. But some of us have other things that, you know, like you hear speakers are like, Oh, well, you know, you, you won't get, you won't even get step three until you're seven years or like, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like a new yeah. guy asking a new guy to understand page 62 selfishness. Oh, that's He can't get that. And it's like, what am I uh, mentally deranged? I can't understand selfishness. I mean, the book, the book thinks I can understand it. Right. So right. like, all I'm trying to say is that like, this experience of working with people who then drink again and then come back after you've, you know, you've grown attached to a, uh, to a point and you have that experience and like you refer to it as heartbreaking, having that experience and being able to have serenity during that calamitous kind of event is a direct result of my spiritual experience. It is not by any virtue of me or any effort of mine. It is absolutely a graceful gift from God. It is something that's happened to me. And there are other things that have not occurred because of my spiritual experience or because the maintenance and growth of my spiritual condition that I have seen in someone like you or someone like Fred or whoever. Um, And I think that that that's a really valuable thing to consider is that like, you know, not everyone who, you know, all these people I was talking about earlier, this like, this, this poison tree that's going off in this like militant Mm -hmm. direction or this like over love you. Not all of those people. Um, it's that isn't by their virtue or effort either. You know, they might necessarily not necessarily have had the same spiritual experience in the same areas, you know, that I have, maybe they don't have that specific type of character defect removed from them. Maybe they had a different life experience where they were, you know, way more codependent than I was. And and that's going to take more growth for them, you know, and there are other areas where that's I need the, to grow. The real life magic. Uh, yeah. That's the real life magic of six and seven in practice. That's mm-hmm. that idea of, you know, there's stuff in me that is good and bad. There always will be. I'm human. Like, I'm not supposed to be doing this perfectly and I'm not sure. supposed to always do it right. And that's why I'm given, you know, the when things crop up in 10. I'm, I'm given a way to do things. But there's that magic of that step seven prayer where I'm saying to God, you've got it all, you know, like you can take it, good right. and bad. And, like, sometimes the bad stuff ends up being really, I mean, a weird gift wrapped in shit. <laughs> you know, like, for me, like... 
I was. I was incredibly humiliated by everything, but I got this depth of understanding and I'm more peaceful today, you yeah. know, and more like my actual life, like my, my 10 and 11 is tight. <laughs> like I've been doing that and I've been saying lately in, you know, meetings and um, yeah, H&Is and rehabs and stuff, I've been saying I wish people instead of saying 90 and 90 do like get through the steps and then do 90, 90 days worth of like a strong 10, 11, 12 practice. Love it. Do it. Like, just do it. I dare you. Like, do it. Like, every day, discipline yourself and, like, it's going to be weird and uncomfortable at first. Have that notebook by your bed where you jot down actions from your nightly review. Like, in the morning, have a look at what you jotted down and then do the, like, do the work associated with it. Like, actually do it. Like, set that step 10 timer alarm if you want. You know, like I love, I was listening to Marty's episode yeah. and she was talking about that. I loved that because we need that reminder sometimes and then develop those, you know, that disciplined practice mm-hmm. of, a, you know, that um, 10 and 11, like obsessively seek people out to help. Not obsessively, that's weird, but, you know, like <laughs> seek people out to help, like do it, like do it like you've got this solution that works. And then after that 90 days, see what happens. And then maybe as an experiment, stop doing all of that and just go to meetings for 90 days Mm. and see how fucking insane you feel. (laughs) Talk about your resentments in the meeting and don't do anything spiritual and just like get by and spout platitudes. Like the difference between those two 90 days is astronomical because that practice of, you know, once I've learned, once I've done the, you know, the learning of the steps and I, I've got, you know, I've got the book, I've got the instruction, I know what to do, you know, doing a 10 in the moment when things crop up, which of course they do, duh, like we're human. And 11, like deepening that relationship, actually having a relationship with the power, remembering I'm not doing this on my own. And then 12, like connecting with others, like showing them what I'm doing, like showing them so they can have their own experience. Do that shit for 90 days. And like, it is, oh, like do it like a lot and like that's like going to like it's less effort ironically than going to 90 meetings in 90 days like (laughs) you don't have to sit there for an hour listening to like randos ramble about their opinions like you know like we don't have to sit there or, or you know if it's in person get to a meeting it's between me and the power you know and then the flow happens and then you know like you said john before like when i'm talking to someone who has had a blow up relapse that i might have loved my first response might be selfish. It might be about, oh, my God, me, that that hurt me, I'm upset. Mm-hmm. But the prayer flow comes straight in and I go, how can I be helpful right now? And then after that conversation, I can take that to my God. I can take that into my inventory. I can look at my own fears about that person. I can do my own personal responsibility work. I can do my own action about you know, that person's relapse. And I don't have to make it theirs. I don't have to hand on my, my fears to that person. I don't mm-hmm. have to have that ripple effect. You know, And it's like... We finish a day and go, oh, that just happened. I didn't do that. Like right. that wasn't me going, exactly. oh, how can I be lovely today? It just flowed from doing those intervention moments of the spiritual practice. And then after the 90 or so days, it's just what I do now. I, You know, it's just what I do. And I find, like, John, you told me about the notebook, end of the day, by your bed, and I love that because I do that now. And I jot down things. And it's not, you know, like that nightly you know, that nightly kind of um, uh, review, it's not, it's not, well, what's it called again? I can't remember what it's called. It's not called a review. Nightly review, they yeah. They call it a review? Oh, okay. Huh? I, thought I, was, I thought I got that wrong. But um, that nightly review, it's not like a performance review. It's a spiritual moment. It's right. that connection 
it's like I'm a little kid telling my parents what I did today, you know, and we're sure. looking at it and I'm getting that guidance. I'm getting that help. And if there's any action that comes out of that, I've got to jot it down. Otherwise I'm ignoring the insights of the power. And I love that. And like doing that for 90 days was so much better than like setting up chairs and making coffee for 90 days or like listening to like a hundred mixed messages or. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it speaks to, the actual program versus some meetings, right? Some, some helpful <laughs> hints that you hear that may or may not have anything to do with Alcoholics Anonymous. Right. Yeah, And I think, um, this, you know, what, what John was talking about a little while ago, it, it comes down to like, there's a, a, a certain population of Alcoholics Anonymous that, you know, despite their attendance and good standing and all that, like they still believe that, somehow the solution to this problem is 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 within them you know that yeah. that it's just a matter of 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 ticking these boxes right I go to this meeting i do this i do this whatever it is and um and then and then there's people you know like us who recognize that um that it's not of my power that i'm sober mm. right so it's it's 100% god's power and you know there's a line in the books it's like um um, that, you know, the steps are simple, but not easy. Mm-hmm. And then there's another part in the book that says it is though easy to let up on the spiritual program of action. Mm, right. And when I have a sponsee who relapses, who has actually gone through the work, not, I'm not talking about a person who, you know, is on step three and never did a fourth <laughs> step or something. I'm talking about somebody who actually on made some three. inroads, you know, <laughs> the old step three relapse. But, so weird uh, to hear you say someone who's on step three. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Somebody You're on a like, prayer? Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> you usually, fucking bon Jovi. Like <laughs> <laughs> usually, I, usually I like, I give them some direction and then I just never hear from them again. <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, so, uh, but you know, I, I mean, I've had this experience just recently with somebody and they, you know, they, they went back out after, after completing ostensibly a fifth step, even though I think it wasn't really a fifth, you know what I mean? Like they, yeah. I don't think it was, it was, it was, uh, what a real fifth step is came back and now has done the work. But when they came back, that's, this is where we went, you know, we went to page 85 and we talked through this paragraph mm. of like, um, you know, the book talks about this. The first 100 sat yeah. down and they said, hey, listen, like, it is easy to stop doing this, yeah. right? L- trusting and relying upon an infinite God rather than my finite self is a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Doing what, you know, you, Millie, beautifully laid out. Like, I was hanging on every word as you went through that, you know, that yeah, practice. But, 90% accent, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> true. But, um, but it is hard to carry God's will into all my activities every single day, right? But that is what is required of me, you know, to maintain this. If I don't do that, alcohol will sneak up on me, you know, sometimes in the form of a um, a day that ends with not a cloud on the horizon, you know, and, and me crossing the, the threshold for dinner. And sometimes it's a it's a found bag of random <laughs> bag of abandoned park, pot. park weed. <laughs> You know, How not sure I would have smoked right? it. How weird is that? Like, I wouldn't even if you if I found like an abandoned chocolate bar, I would right. eat it. <laughs> no, like, it's why did I smoke you, abandoned? It is with? on. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's perfect it. though. It is. It couldn't be any better. I mean, I've smoked a lot of shit out of a carpet, um, but I was also really fucking high. So the one that comes to like, mind for me is in Houston, Texas, <laughs> one time pumping gas 
and then looking down and seeing that there was like a big fat dube that was like sitting in a puddle of gas and it was no. just like covered in gas <laughs> and my buddy smoked it. <laughs> oh my God. Did you at least like unroll it and like re-roll it? No, he just, he fucking lit it in my car and Fired it up. smoked that gas weed. <laughs> yeah. I have an image of like an explosion. <laughs> Like Wiley Coyote. Exactly. I lost my eyebrows, but it was worth it. <laughs> uh, bro, I'm so high now. Um, yeah, but... you're not supposed to smoke gas. <laughs> That's why you're high. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. See, all we, look at all our helpful hints. There's tips yeah. and tricks. And, um, don't soak your, yeah, your doobies in gasoline. Just right. don't do it. Do do something so unwholesome about hearing you say doobies. <laughs> I felt awkward saying it. Yeah, I felt was, awkward. That was that was wrong. I did it. It's but I've, I've never been super. I don't know how it happened, but my whole life, I don't know. This is like crazy weird. But I never got offered drugs. Like the first time I ever smoked pot, I was in my thirties and it was in Southern Utah. Like, I don't know how I managed to get through my whole life. I've never seen cocaine. I'd never seen anything. And the one thing I ever did was one of my friends used to be a recreational ice user. And on um, uh, like one weekend, she took some and she like left a figure skater or. <laughs> Oh, we call we call um. Uh, I know. I'm net. just kidding. Yeah. I'm oh, just okay. Kidding. I don't know what the word. Ice? Who are you, it. dog? I'm the like, bounty hunter. <laughs> ice. Yeah. <laughs> I looked it up because I was like, "Is ice meth?" And I googled right. it. That's in my Google history. Um, but I like my. Did you go incognito went, on that one or not? No, I went full. Yeah, it's part of my official record. <laughs> But she went up and she took a phone call and I was bored. And so I gave it a go. And I remember being like, this is amazing. I can never do this again. <laughs> right. <laughs> I remember yeah. it. And that's literally, I don't know how it happened, but that's my entire drug experience. Like, I don't know what kind of weird sheltered life I lived. Like I've seen it in movies. I don't know what things are called. I feel awkward saying the terminology for things. I've lived a strangely formal life. You know, the booze I, drive. I mean, this explains <laughs> a lot. From what I've heard in meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous, it doesn't—it doesn't sound like you're an alcoholic. You know, <laughs> you haven't used hard, copious amounts of hard drugs. I don't qualify. It's true. The end of my ice story, Fred, is like not in any way exciting because, like, the one time I did ice, I then spent the night in my friend's bedroom and she took me through her jewelry box and told me the story of every piece of jewelry she had. Oh. That's it was lovely. It was the best night like ever. I remember just like going, "That's a, those earrings are phenomenal." Like I just, I, well, I had a, my mind was fired in that moment. It was a beautiful. <laughs> I stand night. by, I stand by my. St I've made the statement on this podcast before, and I stand by it. Meth is a wonder drug, okay. <laughs> and if it wasn't for all the horrible side effects, you know, I was about to say that Millie ended that story. Uh, wholesomely enough to make up for the unwholesome experience of hearing her say doobie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you took well, it. In a it's different like direction. I am like comically wholesome. Like, I went to, I was a member of SLA, like Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, because I couldn't, and 
I'd literally, at that stage of my life, I'd only ever slept with two men. And mm. one of them was my long-term husband of 17 years. I was hooked. And I went to spa because I was having trouble, like, getting over him. So I thought I was a love addict. Mm-hmm. And holy shit, those rooms scared. I realized I am not in any way. <laughs> I don't need to be wasting these people's time. Yeah. I heard some stories. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah I realized I, I do not have a step one experience with that. That stuff is Bingo. scary compared to compared to what I thought I was going in for because I went into at one stage I was in six different 12 steps because I thought that it was I thought I was supposed to like fix every like building block of my life I so I was in like a couple of relationship ones couple of food ones alcohol drugs like all the kind of I thought I'd just pile them all in and tailor them to my experience wow god yeah I don't recommend that that's another tip <laughs> Yeah, that's another tip. Don't fill your life with 12-step meetings. You will go insane. So you want to move into just a couple questions? Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's let's rename the segment just a couple questions. <laughs> right, for people who've already done the 12s. So we've already done 12 questions with you, so we're going to ask just a couple questions. Oh, okay. Let's do it. Cool. Um, Fred, you got something ready to fire off the hip? What was the what was the worst absolute worst thing you heard coming back from your relapse and and what was the best thing you heard coming back from your relapse? <gasps> and who said it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was I'll, so I'll I was I was champing at the bit to be like and when <laughs> and where did we rank? <laughs> so like it's funny cuz all my like Did I get I a bronze? Yeah, all my old people pleasing things are like, oh, don't say that because they said that and they'll be upset. Like, as if they're listening, <laughs> as if like 150,000 people will listen to this. But, um, <laughs> but I think the I think the hardest thing I helped was when someone I cared about said, I can't help you. Mm-hmm. No. Because in that moment, and I, I mean, obviously, I, I really, today I look back and I'm like, I want to take responsibility for what happened. I know that I had lifted my spiritual program. I know I can see it. I was swamped by my own selfishness. All I could think about was myself. I know that's my problem. Like I know, I know I'm, I know, like, what do I do? And I found that really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And the best thing was that calm. That's all right. Here, this is what you do. We can help you. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it was that level headed. Okay. Like, and in that moment, it was, you make sense. What happened made sense. And there is a solution to it. This isn't the end of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas a lot of the other reactions I took <laughs> as a spiral and I got insight into what others would take that as, you know. So and I know for me today, when I meet people who are in that spiral, and I meet a lot of people online and, you know, I see in those, you know, a lot of the chat groups, like there's one person who always, he's very prolific at replying, but at the bottom of all these messages, he writes things like, there's no emotional sobriety in the first year. What? I'm like, what? And all these strange things we say to people. And I don't know if that's particularly helpful. Like, I don't know. Like, right. and I, so I get, I got that insight and I'm like, I try to take the learnings from my experience to try to be more helpful to what I would have liked to have heard, you know, or what not would have liked to, but what was helpful. Right. Okay. I got two. Um, describe your experience with Zoom in 12 words or less. Have I ever done anything in 12 words or less? <laughs> no, no, I'm just going to say no. <laughs> I'm a 
A word gal. Oh my god. Um, and I think that's twelve. <laughs> I, I exceeded the limit. Oh god. Yeah, I think it's very unbrand of me to just ramble like words that didn't answer the question. <laughs> All right, great answer. Oh, words. Okay, so part of me feels like getting a pen and paper out, writing it. Can I get back to you in a week? We're definitely over 12. <laughs> definitely over 12. Yeah, I, I, I pass on that question. Okay. I don't fucking know. It's mixed. It's mixed. It's mixed. <laughs> I like. I That's mean, two you guys words. Are too. Perfect. I'm not. I'm not. I'm ignoring the twelve word limit. Fuck you and your limit. Like, <laughs> Perfect. I, I found solution people, mm. and I found cool accents, and I found mm. options where I can. Okay, you're over twelve. Sponsor again. on Zoom, like I can literally like I had a sponsor in Guatemala. How cool is that? I've had them from all over. It's banger. Like I love that shit. That's too many words. I just I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> Perfect. I didn't pray about it first. I should have prayed about it. <laughs> about it. the That's the question that John was going to ask that you didn't know about. <laughs> yeah, I should have. I should have prepared, right. and I should have said, God. Can you please answer this question in 12 words? It's probably 12 words. Right. <laughs> is, John, is your next question a, a fuck, Mary kill? No. Do you mind if I no, jump on it. your corner? Okay. <laughs> you started that shit. Did I? Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted I to be, just... you know, like the, like Charles Brokaw of podcasting. And oh. You came in with the fucking... Howard Stern Fart Man episode one. <laughs> I love that. You, episode one, you did Fuck Mary Kill with Ted C, Meeting Maker Marie, and all the alliteration with the names and the shit. It was great. Uh, so I stole it. No, I know. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's history. Yeah. Um, okay. Bring us to highbrow, Fred. I like it. Yeah. Thank you, Millie. You, I appreciate you, it. You lift the mood. Yeah. Um, okay. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Fuck, Mary kill. Mm. Vegemite. <laughs> kangaroos. And, uh, you know, spiders that can literally carry you on their back. So I feel like you don't understand the concept of fucking and marriage. Mm. Well, it's my question. Because one of those is a spread that you put on food. One of those is an animal. Oh, two of those are animals. And all three of those things are illegal to marry. I don't think and you understand <laughs> the premise of the question. And what? Well, I feel like I do. I feel like we're at a, we're an impasse. I guess I should have said twelve words or less. <laughs> I feel like twelve words or less should be a, a, a guiding principle for my life. I do talk mm. a lot. I do. <laughs> so, um, okay. I okay. Fuck Mary kill Vegemite kangaroo spiders i mean obviously i kill spiders like that's not even like why would anybody have you heard the saying we're not here to fuck spiders it's a saying no. okay uh, so in, it means in like, australia yeah people say it they go all right guys we're not here to fuck spiders and i'm like <laughs> I you can literally say that people in australia say anything and i would believe <laughs> you. <laughs> at this point <laughs> if that's a real thing at this point i just like you no, just say anything. it actually is and people say it in a corporate context and they say it like in offices Jesus. and shit. And they'll be like, guys, look, we're not here to fuck spiders. Like we need My to speed head... things up or we need to like not dive too deep into the details or like, what are we? 
What's the I think context? It's like we're not here to like we're not here to like you know mince around. We're not here. Mm. The spider question. I don't even know how you would physically fuck a spider. Like it's it seems. I don't know. Enough. Some of your spiders seem big enough to. You got at least you got at least eight possibilities. And that's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm definitely killing the spider. Um, I feel like the salt content in Vegemite for fucking it would be painful. <laughs> it's just, I do. I feel like that would cause, there's literally yeast in it. So and I feel also like it would fuck cause Vegemite. Right. Also fuck No, that. Vegemite's amazing. Ugh. Are you kidding? You don't know how to eat it. You don't know how to eat it. I'm it's, sure I don't. Art. I tried, I tried, I tried eating it with my mouth and that didn't work well. (laughs) Stick it up your ass, apparently. (laughs) No, seriously, hot tip. If you're new to Vegemite, a thin amount with a bit of butter and then cheese on it, toast it, eat that. So just a thin amount because you're new and it gives that kind of salty, oh my God, it'll change your life. It will. Anyway, so I think I guess I'll have to marry Vegemite. Okay. Which would be a beautiful ceremony. Um, so then you're fucking a koala. What was this? No, it was a I'm kangaroo. Fucking a, I'm fucking a kangaroo. <laughs> I think I think it would be into like. The, have you seen those things? Like, yes, yeah, they're I've been like watching a lot of kangaroo videos lately. They're actually. like the MMA fighter of the nature world. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they are. It, it, every time I like see, it? every time I watch a kangaroo video now, I'm just like, how are these fucking things just like roaming about? They're just yoked as fuck. They're so jacked, and they're yeah. just yeah. looking for a fight all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, not all the time. Like, I'm in the city. I there's not kangaroos like going down our highways. They're in country areas. But I don't know. I saw this one dude, and he went up there, and he just started. <laughs> he just started going at it with the guy, and that kangaroo fucked him up. <laughs> just he's just minding his own business, trying to buy a pack of cigarettes, <laughs> and just gets fucking jacked. <laughs> Shredded by some kangaroo. kangaroo came out of nowhere. Some yeah. fucking kangaroo fucker punched him <laughs> with with the word sigma hey, tattooed across his chest. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, you beta. Okay. Anyways. All right. Here we go. I gotta figure out how to phrase this. Oh, here we go. Posting. <laughs> okay. Posting. Oh, no, he's laughing at the question. That's not a good. I'm sign. trying to figure out how to phrase it. Okay. <laughs> Posting on a social media sobriety site about having to remind yourself to remain humble. Weird or very weird? <laughs> or just beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> I just, I Unwholesome. feel like... <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> so what? It's like, I don't understand the logic of it. So you're posting on a social media site to remind yourself to be humble? Is that what you said? Well, like you see the post where people are like, "Yeah, I just gotta stay humble. I gotta, you know, mm-hmm. it's like celebrating six months. I gotta remember to stay humble and keep my feet moving, and you know, whatever." But it's like the announcing to the world that you're X amount sober or whatever, and that you have to remind yourself to stay humble. The the glory goes to God. All that. it's like it's like the victory lap with like a grill full of diamonds. Like some millionaire football player is like. It's all God. And he's just like wearing like a fur coat that costs ten thousand dollars. It's like, really? Is this all God? <laughs> yeah. Your coat could solve world hunger, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. I just I think that goes back to like what I was saying earlier about 
this weird unstated morality rules that a lot of meetings and our mm. culture in AA seem to have. It's like all of a sudden we expect people to act appropriately in right. certain ways and we expect them to ask for help in a right way. We don't like certain de- character defects and we're in this weird policing space of, yeah, humility is one that comes up all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. And I'm like, I don't fucking know how to be humble. Like, right. I don't know. And, like, it's funny because I know for me in my real life, I've got, I've got friends today, which is really cool. I've got family that want to spend time with me and I'm loved and cared for and people think I'm funny and they, you know, enjoy me and I can, like, make an amends if I think I was a bit of a dick or they can tell me if, like, they didn't like something I said and it just seems to flow naturally. Whereas in the rooms, it's this weird, clumsy space of, like, I don't know, some people are like, oh, yeah, your share was really arrogant or your share you had no humility or you had this or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't, I'm sorry. I'm just talking. I don't know. Like, right. I'm sorry I didn't say it right or do it right. Bloody hell. Like, it's like we set people up for this weird standard. Like, I'm supposed to, okay, I'm recovered now. I'm supposed to be. <laughs> I feel yeah. like I have a good exercise <laughs> in humility for any Australian after today. So... Yeah. You can share this with the next person who says that you sounded arrogant. Just, I'm going to like, it's, it's going to happen. Is, yeah, this is, <laughs> it's, it's bound to happen. This is a, More than once. This yeah. is, this is a guaranteed way to get a dose of humility as an Australian. Find the nearest person from California and just casually work doobie into the conversation <laughs> and just watch their I reaction. I totally said that, didn't yeah. I? I said, you did. You said it because I said it. <laughs> I know. And I said it because in the moment, my brain couldn't access what the word for a rolled up pot thing was. And so I just repeated what you said. And I couldn't think I mean, of the yeah, word joint. You know, I, I, I think, think of the word joint. That's I think it. the parlance, the, the parlance went, of the day is rolled up pot thing. <laughs> rolled up pot thing. Like, if it's not, it I should just, be. Ah. Uh, the words don't always come. They don't. Sometimes my mouth is about three steps ahead of my brain, and it's not always good. <laughs> Honestly, if we learned anything from the 12, 12 words or less question, it was it was that rolled up pot thing is as concise a definition of <laughs> verbiage for a joint that you, you could possibly come up with. It is. And like, you know, at the end of the day, some people find me charming. Some people find me annoying. I just, I could not be bothered anymore trying to like, I went through a phase of like trying to be like the perfect worded person or the perfect behaved person. And I would be like, oh God, I talked too much or I didn't talk enough or I didn't say the right things or I didn't say it politely enough or I didn't say it funnily enough or I didn't say it, you know, intelligently enough. And it was just like, just fucking open your mouth and see what happens. I couldn't be bothered anymore. Super stoked that we were able to have you back on. This is awesome. Thank you, fake name, Millie. That was great. Oh, my God. Love I'm having you on. That's going to be my real name. I'm going to change it by Deepol to be Millie. That's and then name. your fake name will be... Well, you guys will have to edit the episode to bleep out every time I said Millie. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> the retroactively <laughs> go back. <laughs> This is meta. I like it. Yeah, I like it. It's going to get intense. Just, I just want you guys to do more work because I feel like you don't do enough work for this free podcast. Well, you're right. You're one of right. us. One of us doesn't do enough work. <laughs> <laughs> probably right. All right. Oh, I love you guys. I love you guys. Love you. It's so this, appreciate honestly, you coming on so much. This, and I've passed this podcast on to people who are confused and stuck by AA and it has been genuinely helpful to a lot of people. Like awesome. I hear that Good. firsthand. Like I've 
I've said to people, they're like, oh, I'm really confused by the steps. I'm like, season two, bang, get in it. Or they're like, I don't feel like I have, you know, a strong community of other people who like live the spiritual life and have a big book message and, you know, have that balance. And I'm like, hey, get this podcast in you. And it's so good. Like it really does help. It's it's almost like, and I know for me, I listen because I know you guys and I listen to it. So we've had these imaginary conversations because I'm listening to you guys <laughs> right. talking. And I'm like, we have that chat. We've chatted about that. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, it does kind of get confusing that. where then I talk to someone and then I'm like, did, did we, did I, did we talk about, like someone who I know who listens to the show? I'm like, we, we've already talked about this, right? I was like, no, I, I heard you say all of this same shit on that show though. It's just like you, everything you've said for 20 minutes. I heard you say on your, your podcast, but it's like, I feel like it's just yeah, like when I you get, talk I at a like meeting, I, should... I don't have a different, <laughs> like this, I'm right. not like putting on a routine for the pocket. Like I, I don't, I'm going to fucking share the same story anytime I speak, you know? Well, I feel like I should like for you guys. So it's balanced in our friendship. I feel like I should just record me speaking for an hour every week and Do then it. just send it to you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll listen. <laughs> Do you do you pause the podcast to be like, uh, great point, Fred. So what I was thinking, <laughs> I could do that. I could do different. I'll do your voices. I'll do it. Great point, great point, Millie. That was Smoke a doobie. <laughs> anyway, it was awesome getting uh, to talk to you again. So good to see you, thank face you, We will see you hopefully soon. Yeah. Okay. That was my last <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Is that beautiful? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully you will. Uh, if I die, that was my last word. Yeah. <laughs> Doobie. This has been a podcast greater than yourself. Podcast Greater Than Yourself was created by recovered alcoholics. All involved in the creation of this podcast are active members of Alcoholics Anonymous who wish to carry the message of our own recovery to those who still suffer. We do not claim to represent Alcoholics Anonymous. All comments are from our own experiences as alcoholics who have recovered by following the directions for the 12 steps found in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Thanks for listening.